Welcome everyone to GCAP Recap 2, ding ding, Electric Boogaloo. Um, we are going to go around, we are joined by uh, Sean and uh, Jamie. Hell yeah. From the AGD Discord. Hey guys. Lucky friends of ours to, um, we're lucky to have the friends, you're not lucky to be the friend. <laughs> this is so true. Hey, yeah. I'd like to think it's both ways. Thank you. <laughs> nah, I disagree. <laughs> That's fair. Um, yeah, so we've all been at day two of GCAP today. We're all going to do a little quick recap of all the talks we went to. Mm. Four heads are better than two. There's a lot of talks we're going to go through. But a lot of uh, talks. So, uh, Costa's going to keep us uh, accountable for all these talks. So when he cuts us off and you guys get angry because you didn't hear enough... Send all your ha- hate to uh, Costa... At lovebullions.com. <laughs> <laughs> Alright. First we have Jamie, I believe. Yeah, Jamie and Sean. Uh, so the keynote was Voltrons will save us. Flexible collaboration structures in the information age. What were your key takeaways and what did you think? Um, so I've got some notes from it, but one of my key takeaways was like, we're burning a lot of our people out in the industry. Mm. And it's like he brought up that we're losing history by doing that. We're losing experience. We're losing the history of like those people's knowledge and what they've learned. Mm-hmm. Um, so that was one of the key takeaways. Like we've got to be better as an industry to prevent that from happening. Um, he was talking about like transparency in the company to try and prevent that. Mm-hmm. Um, and having a, he sort of referred to it as a, I believe a modular constellation. So saying we should look at it as like the stars in the sky and they should all be blinding like shining bright mm. and we shouldn't let any of them go out and we should yeah. be trying to make sure none of those go out I think it was about like developer longevity right like yeah. he, he wants to see developers actually stick around for like 10 plus years and yeah. keep making the same silly weird games that they want to make and not be like stressing out they're not going to be able to pay their rent mm. like he, he spoke a lot about himself personally and it got to me pretty directly like I felt it I mm. thought it was a really good talk he seems like a very interesting guy yeah he um, talked about survival a bit as well yeah and, and I think that's what that was right like just yeah he talked about how his life of like having to survive and get where he is but he also brought his like how his company to survive and like mm. what they're doing like that's like its of, mission is to help people yeah. help these developers live yeah, yeah doing what they love you know yeah. without making them work overtime and all that sort of stuff so mm. and the speaker was uh, I can't pronounce it Zalavia Nelson Jr that yeah. sounds right that's him yeah Awesome. So. Cool. All right. Well. So Highly recommend you look at it online if you can. Yeah. So these definitely a very good keynote. These all come out what in a couple of weeks or something. Yeah, I believe so. Yeah. What was his background again? Sorry, just quick. Uh, Creative director at uh, his studio, which I think was called Strange uh, Scaffold. Scaffolding. That's the one. Yeah. Strange That's Scaffolding right. or Strange Scaffold? Yeah. Yeah, cool. yeah. Yeah. So the second one, uh, this is one that I went to, was Prog Rock Odyssey. Designing the Artful Escape by Johnny Galvatron. Apparently a future me. A future Alex. Yeah. <laughs> a better looking one? Or? Yeah. This was a really awesome talk. It was uh, the basically the, the driving force behind the game, uh, the Artful Escape. And he's uh, Johnny's like a real uh, rocker. Like he's, he was talking about how he's like, used to be really into being in a rock band. And he's, you know, an awesome dude. Um, he was talking about the different uh, things that he... Uh, the influences that came into the game and kind of the takeaway was around bringing your background into the game and being unique. That was one of the things that he spoke about. Like, he took a lot of his inspiration from that feeling of being a successful rock star. In, and he grew up in that age where it was like in the 1970s and 80s of like 
you know, David Bowie, Jim Morrison, and all these like real big uh, rockers. And everyone wanted to be a rock star. And everyone wanted to be a rock star. And that kind of uh, feeling as well. So, and he talked a lot about like the the art style in there and how it's kind of um, simplistic, but has these different things in there. Like uh, he was talking about popping 2D uh, art style. And he went through this, this really cool process and flow that his 2D artists went through where they took illustrations, turned them into like 3D models and just popped them and added this real like, you know, strong feeling in the game like with lighting and that kind of stuff so it was really cool um and uh, yeah there was yeah just a lot around like the kind of art style and bringing bringing his flair to the story and his flair to uh, the entire game and he went I'm through kind of sad that i missed it to be honest yeah <laughs> yeah and and he's he's yeah the the background of where he got narrative and um the prototype and the process that he pitched in order to get uh some funding from annapurna interactive and publishing so Really cool. Check it out when it comes out. Uh, the third one was A Series of Quiet Conversations by Alexander Swords. And this was myself and Sean. Sean, yeah. what was your key takeaway from that? Oh, I mean, I'll be real. Like, I didn't take away so much, like, an, an, a knowledge, mm. like, a thing that I, I realized and just more of a feeling. Yep. And it was more like being, feeling, like, at home. Because, <laughs> you know, you're listening to this guy who, not only is he a creative writer, not only is his game, like, quite creative, quite artful, uh, but it's clear that he's also, like, quite, an, like, a nurturing, mentoring kind of guy, yeah. right? And this is, this is the game uh, Totem, Totem Teller. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And he showed us, like, a small part of it that, like, was just beautiful, mm. but, like, you also don't know what was really happening, yeah, which, yeah. again, was just really intriguing. It's the kind of stuff I love. Mm. Yeah, like, Kentucky Route Zero can be pretty weird sometimes as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it, like, touched on some of those vibes, but probably even had a nicer art style, so... The, yeah, I was going to say, the interesting one I found was around the uh, the meetings that he has and how he sets up the meetings internally uh, at their company where they have no agenda. Yeah, that sounded wild. <laughs> no, yeah. no problem to be solved, free to roam... I think they generally had like a theme, right? Yeah, they tried themed, to like, yeah, yeah, yeah. And I think a it was a crazy idea. I think yeah. it was all around having like a water cooler moment during the meeting because they all work uh, remotely, which I found like really interesting and just kind of itching that curiosity. It sounds great, right? Like yeah. if you've got the right people around you and you get everyone in a room and you start talking about like that, he would talk about like he mentioned in the talk they'd go over like a feeling that they wanted to put in the game. Mm. And then instead of being like, okay, how do we do that? They go, where did that feeling come from? Mm. Like, was it, and they're like, oh, there's a thing in my childhood and I got really attached. And then they'd like ask for more info on that. Yeah. So instead of drilling into how can we put it in, they're drilled into where's it coming from? Yeah. And then he said that like the ramification of that is at the end, they didn't have to meet up again to re converse about this. Everyone came to understand each other's motivations. Mm. And so they could just, right from the heart mm. and their hearts were all becoming much more similar to each other so mm. that when and I think he said at one point that there was like one of his art director put some art in that was representative of something from his own childhood yeah. that he forgot he told him yeah. and it was this really weird moment where he's like wait wait, that's from my yeah. and then he remembered so <laughs> it's a really cool yeah. setup, right? and even just not having deadlines as well that was another thing that yeah. Yeah, was, was interesting he focused that pretty hard yeah. I think that's what the whole quiet conversation was about yeah um, the next one was around data-driven narrative and narrative analytics. And this is with Emma Lawson and Rebecca Little. And Sean, you went to that one. Yeah, uh, the the talk was good in the sense that um, the way they displayed it, what they displayed was, was useful information. They were talking about um, quantifying narrative by sort of going through... Um, I missed a bit of the early part, like probably the first five, ten minutes. Um, but 
from what I gathered, they were talking about like going through an existing work, say like a TV episode, and then looking for particular themes and when they came in and how strongly they came in, mm. and then graphing that using Excel, and then essentially seeing how like certain narratives, certain shows were shaped. Mm. Like where was the social tension? Mm. Where's the you know conflict? Where's these different things, right? Uh, and then what they would do is when they were making a game related to this TV mm. show, they try and get some of those similar kind mm. of shapes in their graph, right? And this is all very interesting, and I think it was a really good mm. talk. I did not like it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But that's because I was coming straight. I think we, we you know, we, we just talked about that, yeah. quiet conversations, mm. and uh, we went to went into. Well, this was actually before it, I think. Okay, yeah. But, like, that was the mindset mm -hmm. I was in. You yep, know, yep, the, yep, the yep. keynote was all about, like, the heart and making your weird game. And mm -hmm. then I went straight into a thing that's like, how to turn your art into numbers. Into and numbers. I'm like, oh, yeah. God. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But, yeah, it was a great talk. Um, the, the two people who put it on were, were really good. Um, yeah, it was just a personal reaction. No, that's, and that's fair, because that's more about um, a business that's business focused rather than like creative focus scale right yeah Lots, and, and yeah. someone could say you know a business can be creative but like you also have other responsibilities that's right. mm -hmm. like making sure your game sells yeah. yeah making sure it fits the IP that you're meant to be representing that's right. yeah they were talking about, right? so. so the next talk was state of the technical art a tech artist panel with uh, Teja Godson Chris Murphy Dan Elliott and Hannah Grace and Jamie you went to this one what was your key takeaways from it um, so my key takeaways is sort of the best way to get into technical art is like, it was more about like stepping into it as a start sort of thing and like how they get inspired and what they sort of work on. And it was just more, you've just got to go for it and get into it. Like, don't be afraid of it. Mm -hmm. It's like, you're going to fail, you know? Mm -hmm. And there's, there's so much support within, cause it was sort of focused around doing it in Unreal. And also they were saying there's actually a lot of support out there for Unreal to do it and that. But it was also like they brought up how they got inspired to do some of their like technical stuff. Like one of them was, I think it was the game Dragon Inquisitor. Mm -hmm. And there was a scene in that where they brought it up and it was like it was showing the ice and the different layers to it. Mm. And they're like, sort of like, I originally thought they've got multiple planes there. Like, how are they doing this? And then it's like, no, it's just the material that they've made. Oh, really? And that sort of stuff underneath it. So it's just one material. So it's instead of having multiple planes to pull it off, yep. you know, yeah. it's more optimized. Mm. And so they were sort of saying, like, take screenshots of when you see a cool thing in a game. Like, yep. get that stuff. Start, like... Ice materials are really hot right now. Yeah. But it was uh, just more... Sean got it. <laughs> uh, really? A lot of materials are very hot. Let's be honest. Yeah, everyone wants to take the Lava's really hot. Yeah. Lava is very hot. Um, <laughs> that wasn't even that good, Sean. No, it's yeah, the situation. That the was situation. Funny. Okay. Yeah. But, um, yeah, so it was, it was a very good talk of, like, just... You know, stop like procrastinating and like thinking about it. Just do it, you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And they were all talking about how they all differently got into the industry. One started like into that sort of technical side. One just started working in Blender and then mm. was like, oh, I'm going to, my company needs me to do this little technical art thing. Oh, yeah, it's pretty simple. And then from there, it just slowly grew. The company's like, oh, we need more technical art. Mm. Oh, we need more and more. And so they're out there, they're like full-time technical mm, artists mm. there. One of them was like, oh, I just enjoyed substance designer. Yeah. Went into that and then one's just like, think one just sort of self-taught like yep, yep, yep. it's so powerful once you realize like under the hood everything yeah all, all the tech art stuff in, in the unreal engine is like ridiculous yeah yeah and they were saying like they've built stuff like three years ago and they know all these skills but then they're trying to build it like something similar now yep. and they've forgotten all those skills mm. and they said sometimes they're even looking through forums 
and they found that they've answered this question on someone else's thing before <laughs> and like or they've asked it three years ago yeah. like they'll go through the forums yeah. or like and they find that they're actually asked this question or answered it before that's really good so, for the confidence because like you see the YouTube videos of something of someone booting a material and yep. they'll be like oh, okay everyone we're just going to drag a multiply node then we're going to put the divide and you're like how do you know what does that mean yeah. all oh, these yeah. things off the top of your head and then knowing that they don't do they no. have to go back and look at these things? Well, yeah. hey, yeah. I've been recently writing like a shader tutorial for yeah, like yeah. water, right? And literally, I've made that shader three times. Mm, wow. Still can't pull it off perfect without having to have a note of how to do yeah. it. And even then, I clearly missed a few things because it didn't come out perfect when I tried to do it the fourth <laughs> yeah. time. Oh. So it goes to show it's like, as I've built the same thing four times and mm. I'm still not getting it right. So there's a lot to learn. Yeah, you know? yeah, yeah. yeah. All right, next Cost one. Cost is looking scared at the time. Is animation, UI animation, the art of making buttons move. And that was myself and yourself, Alex. Mm -hmm. We went to that. What was your key takeaway from that? Uh, really cool. Um, the key, key takeaway. Breaking news, Alex thinks it's really cool. Um, no, so, yeah, so the presenter who was... Emmanuel, I think, Vasquez Jr. So basically what he did was he showed the uh, process of designing a... Um, uh, the animation, well, the, basically the UI mock-up, animated mock-up of a score screen. Yep. And I thought, one, in that, that's really good. I'm just setting yourself a little project. So if any UI, UX, portfolio people mm. out there and you don't ha have access to a game to work on, he made a thing inside of Adobe Animate. He said you could also use After Effects. I know, Adobe. Ugh. Um, you can... Um, he made it, it's his mobile game, and he went through the steps of basically from wireframe, just like saying, here's all the information needs to be presented on the screen. You've got uh, level, um, if you upgrade, you've got the character, you've got points, um, your friend scores, and then basically next, he broke down each of those elements. He showed you how to storyboard um, those elements, saying, I want each of these to animate a certain way. So it was animating every every part of it, mm -hmm. and um, using hierarchy, the importance of hierarchy, which was, you know, shape, color um size and even at the end i asked mm. him a question i said he had two buttons at the end uh once you finish a level on a mobile game you have replay and next and i said how would you yeah. they were both the same hierarchy and yeah. i said how would you handle the hierarchy of this like would you change the size of the replay button to be smaller so you make the player go next do you change positioning and he goes you could just add a glow and i was yeah, like both both of us like our minds were blowing like, a ux oh, yeah. and a ui person we were like Oh, yeah. Yeah, he's like, yeah, just put a glow you, on where you want them to go. You know why? I think we're, we're focusing, we, we're so used to focusing on the UI elements themselves so much yeah. that, like, he was, he the way he was talking about it, like, he treats that animation as like a movie. Yeah. He was talking about how he uses the 12 principles of animation from yeah. Disney, and he, he's essentially directing it. He's like, the, like, the storyboard process that he went through of, like, uh, this ninja comes in, and then, you know, the ninja has this, like, surprise look, and then it moves up, and then this happens. It's like, to, to see the final animation was like a two second animation but the detail or like five second animation the detail that went into storyboarding it and figuring it out and everything was like it, his presentation yeah. alone would be a great portfolio it was insane piece. like yeah. even even if you don't have an interest in UX and UI watch his talk because just the way he presented his slide was how you'd present a pitch honestly it feels that way like I'm sitting here going man another one that I wish I made yeah so right yeah, that's, yeah. there's so many on like when I'm looking through it's like sometimes it's like I want to go to all eight yeah. like yeah. I can only go to one of these yeah, yeah. like yeah, can yeah. I clone myself they, like, seem, they seem to come in groups too right yeah it's like one time where like there's five you want to go to like, yeah. and then okay. the other time it's like okay I'm like okay which one do I want to go to like there's a lot of good ones but there's none that stand out to me and yeah, then it's yeah. like the ones that stand out to you they're all 
all on the same time. Yeah, that's like, right. Yeah, that's right. Like, seriously. And that's why we do this. We've got, yeah, we got four heads curating yeah. this. That's yeah. right. Uh, next one was UE5 to 10. Uh, te- sorry, UE5 to 10. Easy techniques to make your scene look unreal uh, by Chris Murphy. So I went to this one. I'm not a tech artist, so I don't really know. But it yeah. was good to like, you know, he went under the hood of like... Uh, using blueprints to do certain things like he went through i think volumetric fog and how that works um and just like some of the uh effects that has on performance so he went through and did like um yeah volumetric fog but also using like a single material one single material and then adding variables on the uh on the meshes themselves, so you can yep. access it. I so call it, it the last half of this. So, so, it, so, so it drops down the, the draw calls and, and, and yep. then it uses batching because it, like, again, really technical stuff. Yep. But really awesome stuff because really good for optimization. Yeah, optimization. Right. It's, it's huge, right? Yeah. And it's, I caught the last of it and I'm just like, man, like, I want to learn more about That's this right. stuff That's because right. it's like, optimization is just so hard yeah. especially as an artist because yeah, it's like yeah. you put things in you're like yeah this will work yeah. right and then you're like oh crap yeah. no but, but, <laughs> yeah. but it's good it's good the way he went through it and that, that's like even though it was very technical I still understood what he was talking about because he walked through a scene and he was yeah. like he was like you know if I put 10 things of fog here it's gonna it's gonna slow down the game right and it's gonna make things harder and like you know less performant on the actual device and then he's like but if I do it in this way, and obviously he went through the blueprints and connected everything quite quickly, like I didn't really, you know, it wasn't, it was probably too quick. Um, <laughs> yeah. But, uh, but he, the way he went through, he goes like, I just use one mesh, like, I'm sorry, I use one material and a bunch of meshes. And that like is going to basically make everything batch together and render out in like in one go or whatever. And he yep. even went through blending of like uh, between like two, like a rock and say the floor and showing that transition between the rock and the floor and blending those two things together like yeah. little things like that that you'd think like oh, this is uh this and using pointless. world space material so it automatically converts that's to right. being in the right spot that's and, right and and just yeah. those concepts like it's the little kind of extra details that yeah make a game more like realistic or more like plausible you know than, yep. than, than what you'd usually see that's mm. the thing we don't notice the little details until they're not there that's right mm. 100%. and sometimes you don't know what's wrong you're looking at it you're like, yep this yep. looks jank and i don't know why yeah, yeah. it's probably you know, a lack yeah. of a good shader yeah, yeah. <laughs> so that was that that was a lot of stuff but um yeah it was good the next one was building a better industry. Australia's first union for game workers with Tim Colwell and Jill McCabe. And Sean, you went to this one. Yeah, uh, it was great. Um, it was really good talk. It was clear that the people who were doing the talk knew their stuff. Like they've mm. represented people. They've been in the trenches for you know disputes and especially like in, some of them had been in some industrial uh, action that were outside of games as well, mm-hmm. which was cool. Um, I don't want to sort of uh, explain their thing for them too poorly, but I would highly recommend you have a look at their website and uh, have a reach out to them. One of their main things I'd probably communicate is that they were looking to inform people as well that freelancers and stuff are encouraged to mm. apply. Mm-hmm. I went in there being sort of solo myself thinking, oh, I'll go here because I, you know, I like to support the union, but I don't think there's a place for me in it. And they were like, no, no, no. They're like, get involved like if you get a contract as a freelancer like we'll help you review that mm. like if you're in trouble with you know a situation you're in as a freelancer we'll help you with that as well yeah. like and so i think they had some pretty good pricing but again not going to advertise it like that but mm. yeah have a look at the the uh, games worker union um uh, i'd highly recommend it for anyone who's especially like 
especially if you've just gone into the industry, I think one of the focuses they said was like a lot of people who get in think, I've done it, I'm good now, mm. lock it in. Mm. Get like mm. some, some help, get union representation, maybe some collective bargaining stuff. Even if it's like, even if your company is already giving you say certain types of leave, if an acquisition happens, get it locked in officially yeah. because it might go away. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. And so, yeah, I really enjoyed it. Um, and uh, I highly recommend anyone that's in the games industry, including animators, artists. Mm-hmm. They said like, you work in games, you're mm-hmm. covered. Yeah. Cool. And the next one was uh, don't quit your day job. How to survive making games on the side. So it was myself, Sean, and yourself, Alex, as well. Yeah. Uh, key takeaways from that one. Uh, really good like I think I think day two I don't know if you guys felt the same but for me day two could be summed up as like sobering as like day one was exciting day two was like a crash back to reality of what it's like in the games industry yeah yeah, I could agree with that it seemed like yesterday was like there's a lot of hype stuff going yeah. on and then today it's like a bit of the more morbid stuff's coming through or yeah. it's just like here's reality yeah, <laughs> yeah, 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 like, look, yeah. look at reality yeah. in the face and remember face that it, it exists yeah yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah so, I definitely could agree with that yeah this is all about um mm. Uh, basically how would you not make money from games like how can you you know exist make yep. and uh, have a day job um, and the whole panel of the panel the host of this was the speaker was it was from, he was from Queensland University um, it was he had the golf game he was making uh, the, game, the game looked pretty cool actually yeah um, and he did sort of talk about like you know, he did release and I think he, you know, he actually managed to get some, some financial traction. Some, you know, some people have bought the game. Yeah, Brendan Keogh. That's it, Brendan Keogh. Um, one of the things that he said, which stood out to me, was like, getting paid should be something to aspire to versus what you do. I think this is a quote that he got from one of the game developers uh, that he interviewed in 2018 as part of his research. But he actually mentioned that, that that game developer is actually like a millionaire now or something. Yeah. Um, but back then they were getting paid like literally nothing. And he was saying that there's just there's more game developers than obviously like this is it with everything. There's more developers not making money than there are like that are really super successful. And that's with anything, right? Well, any art, any, any creative art, right. industry. Like that's he right. talked about how it's the same in film, it's the same yep. in music, right? Yeah. And I think I think what he, he wanted to bring up, which was interesting, was like we are one of those industries. Like yeah. we might right. want to think we're a tech industry where everything just everyone gets paid. And it's just not that way. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The the other thing was the the key takeaways he had, um, how he made game dev not feel like a job while mm. he was working on his um his golf game. The first one was uh, making games on a laptop. He said uh, helped out a lot because it just made him feel like he wasn't at a desk in an office. And he, he could do it around social. people. Yeah. That's right. It could be around people. Yep. Yeah. Um, the second one was playing with game engines, just like I think messing around with game engines. I think right? playing was the operative word. Yeah. He sort of he sort of talked about like treating your time with the game engine potentially as game time. That's right. Like oh, I'm gonna That's play The Witcher. Cool I'm gonna it. play yeah. The Witcher today. Oh, I'm gonna play some Unreal. Yeah. <laughs> right. You know, yeah. and like you know, obviously having some goals that you want to attain, yeah. but not seeing it as like time to break out the Kanban and, and get, get project managing here. Mm. It's like, just and, have fun, man. And he mentioned like the playful production uh, book as well and just kind of how you work on like, the it's like concentric circles of like the core gameplay loop and then just kind of work out from there, which mm-hmm. I thought was an interesting one. Yeah, starting with the most important and then yeah. adding layers. Yeah. And then uh, make smaller games was number 
four, oh, three, three, and then four was uh, quantity over quality. Was it? Yep. Oh, mine says the other way around. Mine and says quality over quantity. Oh, Five no. was. <laughs> no. It, it, <laughs> well, it was, doesn't make sense with number three. It was quantity, it, but it said in brackets, I believe, from memory. Um, in most cases. In most cases. Uh, yeah, sure. The key, the key takeaway with, with quantity over quality was just around make uh, a bunch of games. Make to, smaller ones. Make smaller yeah. ones, right? Because yeah. obviously that um, yeah that helps you like hone your skills across the board, and it also just helps you get things out um, quickly yeah. as well. I think it also sets your expectations well. That's right. Uh, yeah. you know, you're not planning to make a 10-year magnum opus. Triple A, yeah. You're making a fun game. And That's right. It's going to take you a few months. Yeah. Mm. Uh, the it's other a good way to do it. Differentiate yeah. game making from your day job as well, um, which I think was around like, you know, he was writing a bunch of stuff. He writes a bunch of stuff for his day job, so he didn't want to go home and write narrative. Like, mm. you know, yeah. doing the same yeah. thing as yeah. he's doing. And six, find a community. Yeah, or make a and he said, and just to round it off. I know we spent a lot of time on this one. Um, uh, fudge, I can't even read my own notes. Um, working for free because you're, um, okay, like uh, so there's two passion. ways you could, yeah, working for free because you're determined to get into games, or are you trying to avoid getting into games? Like people who want to work for free because they're like, you know, oh, mm. I, don't, I don't. Sorry, I think that might say deserve. I don't know. I know. I think you're correct. I think you got it right the first time. Yeah. It, it was just like, are you trying to work for free because you don't want to end up in the industry? Yeah. Right? Which is like my case a little bit after yeah. a lot of this stuff. Or are you working for free because you're trying to get in the industry and you think working for free is going to make you more attractive or yeah. give you opportunities you wouldn't have? And yeah. um, mm-hmm. so you cover that perfectly. And then uh, he said, if it's not your job, don't make it feel like a job, which I thought was a cool way to round yeah. it out. Make it fun. If it's not your job. That's a good way to put it. Like, if it's yeah. not, like, your full-time income, like, don't treat it like That's a full-time right. job. Yeah. That's right. Yeah. The other one, uh, so another talk was throwing shade. How to, uh, I don't know the word that you're trying to say, yeah. Oh, Yassify? Yassify. Yes. Yeah. Ah. Okay. This is by Teja Godson and Sean, you went there. Yeah. Uh, well, like, sort of similar to what you said earlier, Costa. Like, I'm not a technical artist, right? Uh, it was about shaders, so... But uh, to be fair, um, a lot of a lot of it was about like. So she she seemed to be an amazing artist. She she showed us a few screens at the beginning, and I was like, "Hell yeah! Mm. I want to see some more of this art. I want to see how she makes it. It's really fascinating." Uh, and she started getting into it, started showing the shaders. She made it very clear that she's been struggling with the shaders just as much as you might think mm. she might be. It's and, you're always going to struggle with shaders. Shaders that never work the way you want them to, even if you've done it a million times. She, yeah. she had, I think, she had a a, a colleague. Uh, who was coding shaders and was like much more like tech on it. Yeah. And then she was just kind of, you know, in her words, like, you know, using the nodes, put them together, yep. see what would happen. Um, and like, she started showing us the shaders by themselves, you know, not in an environment or anything. And that was pretty cool. And we got kind of got close to the point where we get to see them. And then she <laughs> flipped to a screen where it had four screenshots that all just said NDA. Uh, oh, that's a little... And we didn't get to see the art, which was a shame because her art looked really good. Yeah. So it was it was a good talk. Um, and she, you know, she went over shaders and I think there were quite a few questions from people that indicated like, you know, they felt like she was touching on topics mm. that were applicable to technical artists, which yeah. I might not have picked up on. Um, but yeah, I, as an individual, as someone who was just like, hell yeah, this art looks great. Mm. It was a shame that NDAs make it difficult for us to yeah, share. Yeah, sure. Yeah, that is a hard thing as an artist. Is like that's one thing I've noticed. There's a lot of like, you see people release like art from games that were never released, and it was like, oh yeah, well this just came out of NDA mm. and it never released, and mm. it's like, 
So it's like uh, they're putting art on their like portfolios from like two years ago, and it's That's right. And it's like, man, like this is cool art. I would have loved to see this earlier. And it's like, unfortunately, you know, you can't yeah. really show off a lot of mm, things yeah. sometimes because of NDA. Yeah. But, but even just yeah. when something releases and it's been like, uh, they've been working on it for like, they worked on that two years ago, you know yeah. what I mean? But the product just released. Imagine yep. if that was your first big break. You get in, you do this amazing job on this amazing thing. I've got a friend, an animator who's in this situation and you're like, cool, oh, this was amazing work. I can't tell anyone I've done it. Yeah. And I can't, I'm still that entry yeah, level person. Right. Right? Yeah, 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 yeah. And that's the hard part with it. But yeah, so I get the NDA, like she has to do the thing, yeah. but it does suck like, because yeah. like, I know with shaders, it's like shaders look sick. But they look better in a scene. Oh, like, yeah. They look like, and especially in her scenes, man, because her art was so good. Okay, so I was I, like, I'm jealous. On. I missed that one. I had a meeting under that time. I wish I came to it. Mm, I yeah. definitely had it booked in on my yeah. schedule. And then someone's like, "Hey, you want to do a meeting at this time?" I was like, "Okay." Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, oh, happens. Uh, the last two uh, talks. That's they're yours, Alex. Uh, the first one was one thousand one ways to draw an object, an isometric pixel art tutorial. And the last one was Logos for Games by Ben Harmon. Yes. So the Pixel one. Um, as we all know, I'm a fan of Pixel Art. This podcast is in Pixel Art, except this is a lot more complicated. This was the artist from Unpacking, whose name was Angus Doolan. Um, so it was all about basically how they made the um, art in Unpacking, and it's all based off of cubes. So the theory being, if you need to make a some object inside of isometric pixel art. You just imagine how many cubes this takes up, a cube equaling uh, 10 centimeter squared or cubed, I should say. Um, So, you know, if you have this bed that I'm looking at, that's, I don't know, over a meter. So that's like a hundred cubes by whatever, going through saying about how the first cube didn't work, building off of a grid, um, how all shapes start uh, with, if you learn how to make a cube, if you learn how to make an ellipse and you learn how to make a sphere, um, you can make all the shapes you need for that game. Um, of course, some being harder than others. He went into some real interesting maths needed for this, like Pythagoras theorem, um, having the diameter of a uh, ellipse to make you build a sphere, and the shading that went with it. Um, drawing patterns on different um, planes and skewing. He went into the software that they were using, which was Asprite, Unity, and a couple others to help with skewing. Um, uh, what was your major, major takeaway from it? My major takeaway... Being a pixel artist. Being a pixel artist was... Um, shit. Just a big game just used Ace Bright. Yeah. I mean, I know that they have been for a while, but you know, this podcast is made with Photoshop, which I hate. It Photoshop is terrible for pixel art. Not the actual making of the art itself, but um, like my file for like all this stuff is like only maybe a couple megabytes big, but the second I move something, it generates like 40 to 60 gigs of scratch disk space because I think it's because all the layers have metadata because it expects you to add shade, like shadows and drop shadows and glow and all this kind of stuff. So they're using Aceprite. Basically, maths being the cornerstone of all these things um, and how much I I really love pixel art. Like, Mm. I'm not good at it and don't do it enough, but like, I'm just like, he got paid to do pixel art that's, that's amazing right. there is some now, really beautiful art in that yeah. game yeah. so just yeah. to confirm that whole game's 2D right there's no 3D assets no 3D that. it's built inside oh, of really? Unity yeah no, that's the thing that surprised me about it because like it looks like it's 3D mm. with a pixel texture mm. no no it's all it's 2D but, and it's all using maps and he spent a lot of time like he was showing the kettles from different angles that he had yeah. done it's all redrawn from these different angles using all this maps he showed his it's, process and he said if you go to angusdoolan.com a-n-g-u-s-d-o-o-l-a-n.com he has his full 
breakdown from what mm. you showed in this video, oh, yeah. full process. Really, really like satisfying to watch. I'm writing that down. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I'm gonna be looking at that one later. But yeah, because when I first saw Unpacking, I thought it was 3D with like just a pixel texture on it. But mm. then yesterday when they did the keynotes talk, mm. I was like, the more I looked at it, I'm like, that's all 2D. That is, and I think yeah. they said it's all 2D at some point. I was I like, yeah. like even with how when you put some of the stuff on the shelf, it mm. looks like it's going into a 3D space because it's just how they've done it so yeah. well. It's so yeah. well done. And you mentioned something that I've talked to you about, Jamie, with a game that I'm doing at the moment, that Pixel game. Yep. Where I drew you as the character, Jamie Tibbs. Well, I drew a character and then gave you his mustache. Gave him yeah. your mustache. Yeah. Um, yeah. Which was the shading. Yeah. Because um, the shading's real complicated in that game. So they agreed to make the lighting come from directly above to hit down. And that when they have to flip some of the assets, um, the lighting gets flipped with it, but just no one's noticed it yet. So oh, probably keep a lookout for that. Okay. Yeah. Interesting. That is a very interesting sort of, okay, I didn't yeah. realize they were flipping the lighting with that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. And then the last talk that I went to was the, the logo. Logos for Games by Ben Harmon. So ben Harmon is a, um, a freelancer logo designer, and he went through his process of how he started and then um, uh, showed some of the logos he's worked on. Um, now I'm blanking on them, but he, he did the uh, Samurai Punk logo. Mm. He did their game, um, uh, the vacuum cleaner one where you kill people. Uh, <laughs> that's good enough. Sounds uh, interesting. Yeah, yeah, something, something, tactical espionage. That, like that was things at the bottom looked like metal. Tactical gear. espionage, and I'm killing vacuum, people. Vacuum yeah. cleaner. Yeah, I want to play this yeah. game now. This sounds interesting. Yeah, yeah, it was really great. Um, so he was basically saying, you know, his process of making logos, uh, working with a team. Um, uh, he made some good. Uh, points that I write these down. I know I did. Um, okay, I've not written it down. Anyway, handwriting, mate. Yeah, yeah, I can't <laughs> read my handwriting. This is like a treasure map. Um, so the big takeaways were Roomba first. Uh, Justice sucks. That was it. Justice sucks. Something something espionage. Tactical okay. vacuum espionage. Tactical vacuum. I think that was the tr that was the sequel to Justice sucks. <laughs> So was you playing as like a Roomba and you... And That's you pretty cool. cool. That's and, actually a yeah, cool idea. Yeah. I like and, it. and he was saying that the art of the game should be reflecting, reflected in the logo. Um, yeah, so like, I agree with figure that. Figure out what you're, you're building, what you're doing. Now, I asked him two questions. This was the second legal question I asked at, this, at, uh, at GCAP so far. And basically the answer to both of these legal questions, uh, both questions being, would you get sued if... And the answer to both of those was Depends. fuck around and find out. Yeah, yeah. Um, There's only one way to find out, and that's literally. And that gets sued, yeah. yeah and it. if it happens, then you just edit it. So I asked him, you know, what it, how does typography. Because there's a lot of theory, uh, things online of people being like, yeah, just have to change 10% of a logo and you're fine. And then yeah. there's like, I wouldn't say that doesn't count. Um, he was like, he's never been approached about his typography. Yeah. Um, so, typeface, I should say. So, uh, yeah, not probably experience, so it's just me being an overthinker. And I also asked, would he say no to a client? And um, as in, like, would he not accept a client? And I said, this isn't saying, like, you know, a, uh, a hate group says, make us a logo. This is saying, you know, he makes funky looking logos. What if, like, a, a fine art gallery needed a logo? Would he do it? I didn't use that example. And he said he's learning to say no. So in seem to see that, you know, even professionals are 
struggle to say no when they're freelance. He said, yeah. know, if he needs the money, he'll do it, which is sounds rash when I say it like that, but he's a freelancer. If he needs I think it. one of you the biggest things... You need to pay rent, man. Yeah, yeah, exactly. That's what he said. Yeah. But yeah. You, you need to pay rent and that sort of stuff. Completely get that. But I do think one of the biggest things in, in creative industries, mm. we struggle with saying no. 100%. Because one, we love doing it. And it's like, sometimes we look at things, even as me, it's like someone goes, oh yeah, I'd love this thing. It's like, yeah, I could probably work out how to do that. Do mm. I know how to do it? Not mm. yet, mm. but you know, it's like... That's why the industry has lower salaries. Yeah. Because <laughs> yeah. we can't say no. <laughs> yeah, and that's the thing. So it's, I think it's definitely a thing in this industry we need to start learning to say no, especially when we go, we look at things and I can, as an artist, I'll look and go, yeah, you know what? It's probably out of my reach, but I can get there. You know, that's yeah. my thought. Like trying to get what you want, mm. I can probably do I it. I got the perfect title for a talk about that. Uh, don't come to this talk learn to say no <laughs> no I will go to this talk if anyone goes to the talk you're like well you are the people uh, yeah. Yeah. Talk to. so are you saying we're doing a talk next year of how to say yep. no well we've got to year to learn how to say no because I struggle at this uh, All right. and do we say no to that talk so people rock up and there's just no well that's the, that's the beauty the title's called don't come to this talk so you have to say no to the title and then show up to the talk Ooh. otherwise if you said yes you didn't go to the talk I already don't know if I'm even going to this talk. <laughs> yeah, no, no, no. I'm down for this. I'm coming to this talk. Come this, on. Is, this is. We'll make this happen. Yeah, we'll make it happen. We'll make it happen. No, make it a keynote. Yeah. The keynote. Then they can't say. Don't no. come to this keynote. Lead, 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 GCAT with it. Hell yeah. Oh, you're mad. I'm gonna take action on this. What's the date? Fourth of the tenth, twenty twenty-two. I'm taking action on yeah. this. Okay. Yeah. I'll see you next year at GCAT, mate. All right. No. Um. I'll cool. get the popcorn. <laughs> thank you, Sean, and thank you, Jamie. No, thank Jamie you, Jamie Tibbs. Jamie Tibbs. That's the character in my game that I've named after him. <laughs> um, uh, yeah, so this is GCAP Recap 2, Electric Boogaloo. We'll be back tomorrow with GCAP Recap 3, The Final Hours. Mm. Really Exciting. Nice final Hours. See ya. See ya. What do we do? Me neither. <laughs>